0: And we are live, it seems, streaming here on this Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Friends, Stefan Maya is my name. souls.com is the website. On Fridays, typically, in the consistency of our theme, it would be in the category of socio-political conversation. However, I'm going to migrate our Thursday uh, theme, which is topical in nature over on Friday here at this hour. This will not be, of course, the continuance of weeks to come. The reason is because yesterday I tried to go live with a topical conversation and uh, there were some uh, technical uh, problems. So there were some tech issues and it had to do with software and platforms and all that kind of good stuff. I got to talk to some tech support people and after great frustration, got some answers and fixes and updates and the bugs are gone. So here we are. We're streaming alive. But um, yeah, though so it is Friday. I'm going to be talking about stuff we usually talk about on Thursday. And on Thursdays, we were um, uh, going to have ourselves uh, an open dialogue on the um, content that uh, we've been posting these uh, past days and weeks over on our Added Souls Facebook page. That's what we want to talk about. You can check out the itinerary By all means, please do. You'll look at the days and the things we produce in, uh, on those days. And uh, please consider subscribing, liking, sharing, drop a comment, all that kind of good stuff, interacting with the material, with the uh, streams and everything. Uh, truly, together as a team, helps us to... Reach others out there, just like you and I, who may appreciate uh, and value uh, this kind of uh, content. Hopefully, prayfully, it it applies in our lives and it it helps us be encouraged. Challenges us from time to time, of course, uh, to walk this earth as Christians with a Christ like worldview, which we should have and cultivate, renew our thoughts too. Uh, and uh, that's a that's a that's a good thing uh, to have. So, in this hour, give or take, some change there, but uh, we're going to dive into the posts and the threads on the Added Souls Facebook page, and we do that from time to time, you know, because, well, there is a great following on the Added Souls page, there's over 91,000 people following, and over, I think, 42,000 likes, something like that, anyways, and um, within that, of course, it's a, it's a big number, but within that, only... a a small portion engage, and a great many of them are not Christians. Some think they are, they aren't. Some know they aren't, and they're quite proud they aren't, and they let you know about all that. And so you, you'll you have a facet crowd of all walks of life, all measurements of understanding and, and, and spiritual conditioning, or worldly-minded, uh, uh, everything and anything. Quite similar, of course, to the to the age of the Christ in the first century when he walked this earth and he was teaching people, you, you had crowds, you had people following him because they were just, you know, motivated by interest or entertainment. What is he going to do today? What's the drama of the day, right? And, um, but you had a, you had some who truly wanted to learn, who saw something quite unique in him, something that was different, something that was uh, worth listening to, if you will, something that I, I need to know more of, something I need to seek this man, he's not like the rest of us. He can say things in a certain way that we, we've we just not heard. And he can do things that we, we've not witnessed and seen in centuries. I mean, you know, so he's worth listening to. What is he saying? What does he mean? You had those individuals, and uh, it's the, it's been the same ever since. It's been the same from the very beginning. Uh, you have the truth, and you have those who submit to to the truth and who proclaim the truth who live for the truth and you have those who seek to remain in a lie and you have those who are snared in a lie but are seeking a way out. So all again these walks of life, these facets of humanity and personalities therein, behaviors um, contribute of course to the crowds and on the added souls facebook page you have a crowd. You have a crowd of about 91,000 and growing followers, 40 some thousand likes and within them you have all these different categories you know the good the bad the ugly those who are genuine kind and humble seeking learning along with us and those who just hate jesus and hate everything and everyone that has to do with jesus and you have those of course who uh, are snared in uh christianity quote-unquote created in the image of men and we've spoken about that in numerous times stick around stick around. You'll find out that there is some substance behind the things that we speak about. Some individuals, most individuals, sadly, are snared uh, within the web, (laughs) pun intended, of uh, erroneous doctrines, erroneous uh, teachings that masquerade themselves as Christianity. And so what you find out there uh, in the great pebbles of sand is, is... men who have created Christianity in their own image, according to their own selfish desires. They may have began sincerely, either or. Sincerity does not, of course, direct truth, fact, reality. It can at times, most certainly. Uh, But misguided paths forward, if you are snared and deceived in religious error, I assure you, you will cling to that thinking full-heartedly. Uh, that you know the truth and you've been saved by Jesus and you're on your way to heaven one day. I mean, that's uh, many of us come from that background, having been born and raised and given a an ancestral lineage to a tradition of sorts, a religious tradition of sorts, and uh, being meant to think that we are Christians and we believe in Jesus and we go to a certain church. Uh, and uh, we don't need to question that. you know. I mean, I'm sincere, I believe in Jesus, and um, you know, I go to church, or I go to Mass, I go wherever, and so I'll be fine on the Day of Judgment, because God is love, and He loves us all, and His grace is good, and so on and so forth. And there is some seed of truth in the things, of course, being spoken. If you look at the ocean of error out there, and the great many erroneous doctrines being taught by, again, Christianity created in the image of men, there will be found some similarities with the truth. There are some seeds. I mean, for instance, my wife is my wife. She is unique to me. She is a woman of the gender kind, a woman, right? She is beautiful to me. She is faithful to me. I love her. I can identify her. I can discern who she is, and, and that is indeed a comfort and a, and a love and a security in our life. Now, will I go out there in the world and find other females that have arms and legs and nose and eyes and ears and a mouth to speak and hair that grows? Well, yes, of course, I can go to any establishment out there in the public sector of life and find other women. Are they my wife? No. So there's a difference. To a certain degree, with that illustration... We migrate our thoughts and meditation to the fact that a great many who claim to be Christians or churches who claim to be Christian churches, they may give out an air of sincerity and there may be some similarities therein to the truth or seeds of truth therein, but the devil, sadly, is very cunning in his masquerade and he will have us fully convinced that he is the angel of light we must trust. He may take the form of a pastor, a reverend, a priest... A teacher, a preacher, mother, father, friends, co-workers, neighbors, someone we can cling to and trust and say, well, they wouldn't lead me wrong now, would they? I mean, they love me. They'd give the shirt off their back. They're kind people. They're decent, upright people with integrity. I mean, there's no way they could have led us wrong religiously. There's no way that that could happen, right? Well, yeah, that happens. That happens. In the first century uh, uh, culture and age of Judaism, within the confines of the Sanhedrin, the socio-political power and religious spiritual leadership of the Sanhedrin and those therein, a great many were loyalists to them, and and a great many, of course, would have been known as decent, kind, upright individuals of the community who lead us in our worship, in our scripture, in our belief system and tradition. Not knowing that so many of the things that they were being led in were traditionally stemmed by ordinances made by the selfish ambitions of men, falsely interpreting various scriptures for their own enterprise, perhaps again, some maliciously so, some with the duplistic mind of a diatrophic spirit, but a great many others just misguided or deceived, sincere, kind people but snared within, again, the web of something that is contrary to the truth and the rightly orchestrated and handled scripture. And if we're honest with each other, of course, we will see that. We can understand the same pattern has taken place throughout millennia into our current age. The same remains. If you Google search how many Christians are out there or so on and so forth, along those lines, they'll give you this generic broad brush Statistic, well, there are 2 billion people on earth today that claim Christianity. Well, there are 8 billion people, you know, out there with all kinds of various other religious worldviews. Is there a principle to Christ that perhaps we find in common with our neighbor? Well, certainly. Certainly. If you say, you know what, we should respect our elders in the community. Well, that's a good thing, and I agree with that. We should all agree with that. Well, I believe that, you know, murder and stealing and lying is wrong, and we shouldn't do those things. Well, I agree with you. Why? Because they're Christian principles. They're Christ-like principles that are certainly delivered by uh, the words you read in the Bible. We shouldn't participate in lawless activities. But does that therein, understanding that and enforcing that, believing that, make us a Christian? Does that mean that the church we go to belongs to Jesus? I mean, you, you do recognize there are thousands upon thousands of churches out there who claim to be Christian churches, commonly known, of course, as denominations. And now, of course, you find a great many organizations out there who claim Christianity, but claim non-denominational. Uh, and is that true? Will you go to that said church claiming non-denominational ties to be a non-denominational congregation? Well, maybe so, maybe no. Well, how can we govern these things? How can we discern? Well, we have to know the truth. And where is the ruler? Where is the authority? Wherein is the law? We can find ourselves uh, 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 investigating reading studying believing understanding well the scriptures of course the 66 books of the holy bible would you know it we can understand the words that are in the 66 books of the holy bible it may take time it does take time it takes effort we certainly have to put in the work uh, christianity is an educated religion and that's a very good start if you find yourself within an organization claiming to be Christ-like or following the Christ or Christian, and yet they do not believe or adhere to the fact that Christianity is an educated religion, but rather fall on the isms of emotion, then that's a red flag. That's a red flag. There are many things or uh, categories of conversation uh, like that that help us navigate through this life, understanding what is true and what is not. You can trust the Bible. We can trust the Bible. If you investigate its origins, how it came to be and now is, you will find answers. You will. And if you are an honest person, of course, you will find fulfillment in those answers. A dishonest individual or a prideful brute of sorts, a self righteous indignant individual, uh, can't be reached or penetrated because his heart has hardened one has to change his way, but if you are an honest student of the Scriptures, you will investigate. And there are a great deal of um, there's a great deal of material out there uh, that helps us a great deal understand, of course, where the Bible come from, comes from, and how to trust it. One off the top of my head that I share quite often is from our brother uh, Denny Petrillo. and you can find his series study on the origins of the Bible and how we got to have the Bible over at. World Video Bible School, I think it's wvbs.com, and therein, Danny Danny Petrello, uh, uh, a series on how we got the Bible. It helped me a great deal understand, like, can we trust the Bible? Are there more than 66 books or less? How do we know these things? Well, there's answers to that, because God, all-knowing, all-powerful, would not leave us as orphans to be tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine. He wants us to understand his mind. His nature, and he wrote it, and so we can know the Bible is true. We can trust the Bible and the words therein. And would you, would you uh, uh, seek with a with with an honest heart and read the words of the Christ? As we uh, let me change the screen here, situation over to the interview mode, and therein, there we go. You find. Just one example of a great many locations in the scriptures, reading John eight thirty one and 32, which says, quoting, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. So he's speaking to believers, and they happen to be Jews just like him, his own, his own kind and culture. If ye continue, conditional, ye, you, personal, where? Well, if you continue in my word, the words being spoken. They're in the source of religious authority for Christ-like behavior and understanding. He speaks, of course, his word. His word is inspired. The scripture is inspired. Then are ye my disciples indeed. So how can we know we are disciples of the Christ, Christians? Well, if we, of course, believe and continue in his word. His word is the source location for us to know his mind and what he wants from us and what he seeks To understand his compassion, his love, his mercy, his grace, his conditions, his instructions, his commands to us through our free will. He says, and ye shall know the truth. Why is that so important? Why is that a go-to verse? Because the truth is something we can know. It's something we can know. I know that's a foreign thought today in our culture that is so withdrawn from the truth. We are now drowning in the ocean of isms. Relativism. There is no truth. Pluralism. So therefore I'll make up my own truth. Emotionalism. I feel my truth is this. I feel my truth is this. And those isms bring one to complete insanity and disorder of the mind. Where a society can believe that there are more than two genders... We believe the lie is a truth, and the truth is a lie, and we call evil good and good evil. Uh, It pollutes us and contaminates us. And uh, sadly, we we find ourselves yet again uh, in history as humanity down this this spiral downward, this, this very corrupt and dark location. But the truth sets us free. There is reality. Are there a great many things out there that are simply opinion and we can share opinion and we can differ in opinion and still be friends? Well, of course. Absolutely. You like uh, certain ingredients on your pizza that I don't like? Okay, man, we're still friends. Let's still watch the game. Let's still hang out. It's fine. But do you believe that murder is not murder and it's a good thing to murder and we should murder people and it should be legal and it has been legalized and now we murder people from conception to our seniors and everyone in between? Well, we have a problem. That's not an opinion. That's an objective, absolute truth and reality. And there is either the wrong or the right side of it. And discernment is unknown to a godless mind. We have to go to the Scriptures. The Scriptures teach us, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It will liberate you from the shackles, the deep, dark dungeon of uncertainty and doubt and malpractice. It will snatch you, call you away from there, liberate you, save you. What will? Reality, truth. And here is reality. Here is truth. You can trust the 66 books of the Holy Bible. They've not been corrupted or contaminated. To say so is to say that God is just not powerful enough to communicate with us and keep his words intact for all ages. He just, he messed up. He dropped the ball somehow. Similar, of course, to Calvinistic teachings, which in conclusion always reveal the fact that its constituents its loyalist believe that, well, God messed up in the first century. He couldn't accomplish his plan. Somehow the Jews, they went against him, and he was unaware of those things, and they crucified him, and they shouldn't. He shall know the truth. It is indeed a thing we can know. And we must first adhere to that in our minds, If we did not believe there was such a thing as an objective absolute, as a truth reality that can set us free, then we're still behind a great deal and we need to go through other channels before making it to here. Assuming you and I do know the Bible is true. It's not been corrupted. God has had his hand with his word from the very beginning through a span of about 15 to 1600 years, through 40 writers governed by God. The 39 books of the Old Testament, to which you and I no longer live under, yet are commanded to learn from, and the 27 books of the New Testament, to which we are commanded to live under. It is our law, mercy and grace, instruction, boundary, direction, guidance, the age of the Messiah. You and I live under the dispensation of time of the Messiah, the Christian era, the Christian age. We can know the truth, the uniqueness of his church, the church he built and established in the first century, his congregation, his assembly, what that looks like, what they taught, what they believed, how they worship, the uniqueness therein, how to be saved by Jesus. There is but one single way, his way. Things like this can be known. It's most important to establish this foundation. We are going to go within all the many posts on our added souls Facebook page and the threads and the comments therein, and you will see how confused the people are. Some of them, high handedly so, puffed up with pride. Others, though, seeking an answer, I suppose, they want to know like, what is this? This is different. So, I wanted to bring up these verses first and foremost before we go into uh, the thread and comment thread uh, comments therein, because you can know the truth. And there is indeed a condition. To believers, you have to continue in the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us. And we know this with all other facets of life. You don't go to court to before a judge in an honorable uh, law without the law. The law is written. It's there for us to go to. Can individuals corrupt the law? Yes. Do we follow corrupt laws? No. We follow the liberation and freedom of the law of the New Testament, the law of the Spirit. And we can know what it says. We can know. Uh, You will see in some of the posts and comments uh, revealing the great ignorance that is among the people. Um, We, you and I, can know to a certain measurement and degree who is saved and who is not. Who is Uh, a Christian and who is not. And quickly, by saying such a thing, which is a truth, which is the truth, we can, uh, not to the precise inner thought of man, as Jesus can, of course, but to a degree which is acceptable in God's eyes, many will say, how dare you? You know, that's not for us to know. Well, it actually is. What what a sad, uh, blind faith. If we can't know we're saved or lost or who is, what's the purpose in, and I mean, that that destroys a great motivation of our purpose to, to seek the truth. Why seek something we can't know? Jesus saves. Amen. From what? Who knows? No one can know. We just don't know. Be nice like Jesus, often is said. "Oh, because You're not Christ-like. You're just, you're just an evil person. You should be nice like Jesus. Friends, they crucified Jesus. You think they crucified him because he was nice? Like, people don't think of these things anymore. Those who claim to be believers, they're so washed in the isms of the world. They have no backbone to it. Now they think again, you just create Christ as you want him to be. Well, my Jesus would never tell another person they're wrong. Your Jesus is wrong because your God is you. You've made yourself out to be a God and you've created Christianity, quote unquote, in your own image. Can't do that. Let's open up now the, uh, there we go. Our Facebook page here, added souls, added souls on Facebook. There it tells you 91,000 followers, 43 likes. You can Subscribe can like, you can message, all that kind of good stuff. Look at all the tabs. I encourage you, of course, to check out the tabs about mentions, followers, photos. There's videos as well. You can go on the videos. Uh, see there you go to video lives groups, so on and so forth. Everything's available there to you. So we go back to the post and uh, we'll just scroll down here. Again, the photos, each photo has a message behind it. Uh, I created this back in 2012, so you can imagine there are thousands and thousands of uh, posts and videos and whatnot. And here, of course, is our features, so you can check out the features. Um, and then we get into the posts. This one was this is just a reel I made this morning in regards to Mark 16:16. Like, share, subscribe, drop a comment, that kind of good stuff. Here, one of our team mates, uh, Brother Coogan. Uh, he uh, uploads some of his videos. And uh, here's some of, of our posts. This one here, 12 hours ago, define repentance, right? Well, because some individuals think repentance is merely just saying, I'm sorry, yet remaining in sin. So sometimes it's good to ask the question, well, what does repentance mean? Well, here's the thing, going back now to knowing the truth. If we don't know the truth because there is no truth to be known, relativism, pluralism, emotionalism, so I feel the truth is what I want it to to be, well, then there's no sound objective anchor for us to hold on to. But there is a truth, the truth, the truth, unique, the truth. We can know the truth. It sets us free. We can know what repentance truly is. Well, where do we need to go? To the source, of course, of religious authority, the scriptures. Go to the New Testament, or throughout the entire Bible, repentance is in a great description there. It is indeed a change of mind, but a change of mind that leads to a change of life. And of course, that takes time to renew our thoughts away from the way we used to live and believe to now a new way. Which way? The way of the Christ. So repentance, and description, of course, is to change one's mind and life in the direction of the Christ, away from the direction of uh, death that we uh, were once participating in. So if you were a swindler or a thief or a liar, uh, a murderer, a uh, sexually perverted individual practicing fornication, adultery, homosexuality, and uh, uh, all these things— uh, if you are an individual who is manipulative or um, high in the spectrum of narcissism and, and, and uh, uh, hate and, and violence and, and whatever the behavioral corruption or, or practice, one must change his mind. You must recognize that what you are doing is lawless. It not only hurts you, but those around you, and it has eternal consequence. So therein you change your mind. You stop practicing the things that are evil and lawless. That also applies to false religious beliefs and being part of churches Jesus never built who teach and practice false religious doctrines, masquerading as angels of light, masquerading as as things you might believe to be sincere and real, as things you can trust, We have to change our thoughts away from that. Repentance is a change of mind, which leads to a change of life. And it's not just one thing to stop doing evil and, okay, I'm done now. I've stopped uh, being a murderer, so I've got it made. No, now you must produce fruits of repentance, which the Bible, of course, speaks and reveals. Well, what do you mean? Well, if you've stopped doing bad and evil, you must now start to do good It's not enough to just say, I've stopped doing evil. That is a good start, and you have to. It's a necessity of your life and an eternal consequence. You have to stop doing evil, stop living in sin. But now you must start doing something good and right with your faith, works of faith, benevolence, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, being kind, You see, that's how that operates. And I'm certain that within the comment section here, we could find uh, 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 that very nature and understanding. Carol would say to turn away, make changes, to have sorrow for our sins, change our behavior for forgiveness of our sins, to go and sin no more. Excellent. Brett would say turning away from the slavery of sin so as to become a slave to righteousness. Perfect. Uh, Jarvis would say godly sorrow leading to change. That's it. Uh, 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 Dana would say to turn away from sin with your whole being, mind and soul, and ask for forgiveness. Felicia would say a change of mind and heart. Sinners also repent too, but God forgives the saved. You can turn away from anything, unmarital sex, drugs, drinking, murder, lies, and etc." Uh, uh, uh Juan would say, uh, Juan, Juan, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that properly. I'm a French guy speaking English words, trying to, you know, do the best I can here. He says repentance typically requires an admission of guilt for committing a wrong or for omitting to do the right thing. A promise or resolve not to repeat the offense, an attempt to make a restitution for the wrong or in some way to reverse the harmful effects of the wrong or the omission, where uh, where possible. That's it. Sawyer would say a change of heart and mind. Michael, turn from your sin. Barbara, reverse course. Diana, or Diane would say it's when you know right from wrong. The wrong you are doing, you stop doing it and do what is right. And and, and um and ask God in Jesus' name to forgive your wrongs and so on and so forth. So the idea, of course, uh, in forgiveness or sorry in in in. In repentance is a, is a branch set of all those comments together, of course. In its most uh, direct context, it's always a change of mind, a change change of heart, change of mind, change of life, producing now something good away from once living in something evil. Does that make sense? Well, it should, because that's what the Bible teaches. But again, if you can't trust the Bible, who, who says what repentance is? Well, for me, repentance means uh, doing this, that, and the other. Well, For another, it may be something different. Again, you have then a notion of confusion and a community in chaos. A local assembly in chaos. There has to be the structure of understanding what the word repentance means. And there has to be a source in which a law tells us what it means. And would you know it, the 66 books of the Holy Bible do. So let's keep moving here. Some reels. Our brother C.J. Marshall... Uh let me see here. Okay. So here's one post that we shared and it says, "Where is the Roman Catholic Church spoken of in the Bible?" question mark. Where is it spoken of? Now any church could have been put there. I we could have we could have asked, "Where is the Baptist Church in the Bible? Where is the Pentecostal Church? The Wesleyan Church? The Gospel Hall Church? The House of Nazareth Church?" The Salvation Army, Church. Where are the Anabaptist and Seventh Day Adventists? Where are the Anglicans? Where are the Presbyterians? Uh, where are the uh, Orthodoxies? Where are, you name them. There's thousands of them out there. Thousands upon thousands of them out there. Where are they in the Bible? Well, an honest student of the scriptures who is truly seeking uh, the doctrine therein will come to recognize that none of these churches are in the Bible. And the more you read, the more you'll find out that God has nothing to do with any of them. Though there are decent, upright, and kind people in all of those organizations they're just not the church Jesus built in the first century on the day of Pentecost. They aren't now and they, they just will never be because of the things they practice and teach are hostile to the Christ and his church, his teaching. So where is the Roman Catholic Church spoken of in the Bible? Nowhere's. Everything that even resembles Catholicism, if you will, in the scriptures is rebuked. I'm not saying this high-handedly seeking to offend anyone. I used to be of the Catholic persuasion. We were born and raised in a Catholic family and community. Matter of a fact, there were no other religious views permitted in our community but Catholicism. And why bite the hand that feeds you? They gave us schools. They gave us their benevolence. They gave us a location of unity and moral compass and code to follow. I mean, why go against that? Our mothers and fathers, our grandparents, why would we dare break that chain of unity in the community? Again, it's not against the character of a kind individual or the unity of a family or of a community. It's about the strict things that Catholicism teaches that are hostile against our Lord and Master, Jesus. We are taught not to trust the Bible. We are taught to trust men. Well, that's a violation of all things we read of in the New Testament. Jesus specifically, time and time again, told us, don't trust men, trust me. The words I speak. What is it that we began with in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32? How can we know we are disciples? By following his word. Where are his words to be found? In the 66 books of the Holy Bible. Catholicism does not produce that. Now, do we have Fellowship with the principles they may practice in Catholicism, like respecting mom and dad, not being a murderer or a liar or a thief, the things we were taught in Catholic schools. Well, yes, of course we fellowship those things. They are upright and moral and decent in the community. But the Roman Catholic Church is not the church Jesus built in the first century. Matter of a fact, the Roman Catholic Church is the first recorded apostasy, the First known denomination, which came centuries after the fact that Jesus had already established his church. And sadly, elders of the church Jesus had built allowed themselves to be contaminated with Roman political powers so as to together mishmash paganism, Judaism, and certain tenets of Christianity in one big universal uh, political influence the Roman Catholic Church. Peter has never been. <laughs> the the first Roman Catholic Pope. And if you read the Bible with an honest heart, you will soon come to know that. Where is the Roman Catholic Church spoken of in the Bible? Nowhere. It's not in there. And everything that resembles it is rebuked. Why is that scene so hateful? Who are you to judge, right? Well, we are called to judge, The Bible teaches us to judge righteously, to test the spirits, to know what is true and what is not true. And sadly, people are deceived by things that are not true, pretending or masquerading itself as something true. Well, it can't be wrong because look, no, it is wrong. And of course, a post like this brings an onslaught of all sorts of comments that are high-handedly Ignorant, Yet it still generates a uh, truthful commentary from brethren who know the truth and have been converted out uh, of uh, said denominational worldviews. Uh, here we have an individual, St. Peter, our first pope. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, that's what we were taught when we were young, growing up in Catechisms. We were taught that if you go to Matthew chapter, what is it, 16, uh, verse 18, somewhere along those lines, uh, um, that when it says, Jesus said, I will build my church and upon this rock I will build my church. Well, that somehow that meant Peter, but it isn't. It never has been. Peter has never been the first Roman Catholic pope. The Roman Catholic church did not even exist while Peter walked on this earth. That is a objective, absolute fact of our history, and any honest individual who seeks the truth will be liberated therein. Well, there's billions of Catholics out there, or millions of Catholics out there. You mean to tell me they're all wrong? I'm not saying anything that the Bible isn't saying. Check the words in the scriptures. Yes, they are all wrong, and the Bible is right. Oh, so let me guess. You guys think you're the only ones going to heaven. Is that what you would have said to Jesus and his disciples on that day? Well, of course you would have. We would have all said the same thing to Jesus. Ah, this guy, he's some fool's carpenter from Nazareth, whatever. He has a following. He thinks they're the only ones that are going to heaven. The same would have been said in the days of Noah. Ah, Noah and his family. They think they're the only ones that are going to be saved by this supposed flood. Water's coming somehow in judgment. Bunch of fools. Time and time and time and time again, we forget how Jesus says, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many enter therein. Narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and only a few seek to know the truth and go the way of the Christ. Many other comments here, interesting indeed. Some hostile to the truth, some embracing the truth. We even have a Catholic uh, priest somewhere in here I saw a few days ago. Of course, Catholic priests are bound to Catholicism and are going to promote Catholicism. But the truth, defendable in an honorable court of law, is that there is no Roman Catholic Church in the Bible. Jesus never built the Roman Catholic Church. Jesus has nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church, nor does he have anything to do with any denomination, whether it be the Baptist Church, Pentecostal, Wesleyan, Gospel Hall, all of them. Open up the uh, the uh, the Google directory of churches in your community. All of them. They don't belong to Jesus, but one one kind belongs to Jesus. His kind, his assembly. And how can we discern the difference? Well, we can't if we don't believe there is a truth to be known. Number numero uno. So if you choose to permit your mind the ability of its free will and blessing given therein to say, yes, I believe there is an objective absolute reality. There must be a truth. I must seek. Seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33. Then you're on the right path. Now you know there is a truth. You can find it. It's there. And God's providence through a reverent bowed prayer will accomplish a great many things. You will know the truth if you seek it. God has made it available to all who seek it. So, If you admit that the Bible indeed is the sole source location to know this information and that we can understand this information and that there is a truth to be known, then you will be able to discern what belongs to Jesus and what does not. First and foremost in name, if it doesn't even hold his name first and foremost, then you know that church probably doesn't belong to him. To a certain degree, mind you, there could be a body of believers who call themselves the way, and perhaps all of them in there practice the doctrine of Christ. Okay, okay. Though I see scripturally the fact uh, that the church belongs to Jesus must hold his name, anyways. Bit of a conversation there. So you can discern if a church belongs to Jesus. If it's called the Roman Catholic Church, you you can know from the get go it don't belong to Jesus. It belongs to the Rome. To Rome, that church began in Rome for Rome. The church Jesus built was in Jerusalem, as prophesied by the prophets of old. Are you aware that centuries before the church Jesus built was built, it was prophesied? And would you know that it was birthed from the mind of God prior to even forming Adam and Eve? You can know the church that Jesus built. It has identifying markers. Remember when I said in illustration before we began, well, when we started this video, how my wife is unique to me. I can point her out in a crowd of other women. Now, other women may have legs and eyes and ears and mouth and hair, but I'll still know which is mine because of the very strict identifying markers. It's the same with God and his church. There are many churches out there calling themselves Christian churches. They may have ears and arms and legs and noses and eyes and mouths, but they don't belong to Jesus Well, how can we know this? How can we discern that? How can we differentiate? We have to go to the law. We have to go to the book of law, which describes what the church Jesus built looks like, how they behave, how they practice their worship, how they are governed with elders and deacons, the roles of the male and the female, the discipline that is kept in there intact so as to not bring reproach. So that the church that belongs to Christ, his bride, is is pure and remains pure. We can know. We can know. And knowing sets us free. It liberates us from the lie we used to believe and live in. Where is the Roman Catholic Church spoken of in the Bible? Nowhere's. It's just not in there. It's just not in there. And to all of you who may still adhere to Catholicism, don't allow your emotions to get the best of you and begin to ad hominem and attack me and my character. I am flawed. I have sinned. I mess up. I struggle. I'm not perfect. There are a great many individuals who are probably way more kinder and decent and and, and more uh, mature than I am. I'm well aware of my being, but that doesn't make me void of understanding the scriptures. I can read. I've been reading, I can know, you can too. So don't think me high-handedly attacking any good and kind character or behavior. What I am exposing is the error of the teachings being brought by these organizations masquerading as Christianity. Another post here moving forward that I, we had shared. Most who say they love Jesus really don't. But some do. Some really do love him. That's a factual statement. And it's a numerical statistic driven by the Bible's teaching. Jesus himself. Many, most won't make it. It's not because they don't have the ability to. It's because they don't want to. Pride, selfishness, things like, like that get in the way. Loyalties to men instead of God. So most who say they love Jesus, they really don't. Many say they love Jesus, but they do not practice the instructions that Jesus has called us to follow. And you do have some who follow the very strict legality of the law of Christ, but they hate their Brethren and they manipulate and take advantage of their own kind. They are duplistic. They are psychological swindlers. Their hearts and the motive of their hearts are corrupted. Can't go to heaven that way, even though you would know the doctrine of Christ scholarly and can teach it and preach it from Genesis to Revelation in all its languages, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, Yet you hate your brother and you take advantage of them and you slander your own kind for your own selfish ambitions. We've seen individuals like that. Sadly, some of us were friends with individuals like that, thinking they were good and kind. No, most who say they love Jesus really don't. It's an objective standard. It's true. But some, some love Jesus. From the heart, mind, soul, doctrine, some love Jesus. How can we discern the difference? Because those who say they love Jesus and really don't, they put on a pretty good show at times. So how can we know? Again, ye shall know them by their fruits. What are they producing? What kind of membership are they producing? I've seen faithful congregations become corrupt. I've seen congregations that used to belong to Jesus be removed from, from the ownership to Christ to now a diatrophic individual. Well, what is that diatrophic individual producing? Look at the membership. They're corrupt. They're filled with hate, bitterness. They've been sowed in discord, filled with slander, believing lies against the faithful, pushing out the faithful. These things happen. Most who say they love Jesus really don't, but some do. Some really do love him. How can we know the difference? Again, if we don't believe there is a truth to be known, we've already lost But if we know there's a truth to be known, then it can be sought, and it can. It's in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, then where is it? I've looked everywhere else. No other location is feasible and tangible to hold and defend and understand but the 66 books of the Holy Bible. And, of course, this brought on various comments from various individuals. I can't remember if I've had to delete some of these. Brett says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a quote from the scriptures. Cindy says, I love Jesus beyond anyone or anything. He is my constant through all good and bad. Never have I doubted his hand in my life. Without Jesus, I would have no hope in this fallen world. My soul aches to be closer to my Lord each and every day. Thank you, Father, for rescuing me and making my life complete. A verbal acknowledgement of her faith and her love for Jesus. Uh, Let me see here. Obedience is the answer to loving Jesus. It certainly is. Again, it must be motivated by the right heart. Uh, Pretty much, I love Jesus. Uh, Okay, I think that it was here where a comment was deleted, perhaps. I can't remember now. Maybe it's this one here. Here's another one. The Bible is right. Man is wrong. In other words, God is always right. And man is wrong. And in, in order for man to be made right, we can't in of ourselves. We have to go to God. God teaches us how to live right. It's, it's, a, it's a very simple snippet. It's very surface kind of stuff. But would you know it? There is offense to that. And people take, take great offense, a great, a great deal of ignorance against that. The Bible is right. Man is wrong. Now, Of course, you're going to get all sorts of comments in here. Uh, um, some good, some bad, some indifferent. And, uh, you know, like from an in, an instance, this individual, nah, the Bible has been used to justify killing of your children, stoning people, hanging people, burning women to death, slavery is such a wonderful blah, 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 blah. Of course, these atheistic talk points to which I myself adhere to and would have uh, even spewed out of my mouth in my past life, uh, but I've been set free. I've been liberated by the truth. Uh, of course, that that's not true at all. You have to look into the scripture and its context. Um... Sean here says, man wrote the Bible, meaning you can't trust man, man wrote the Bible. Well, men governed by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, of course. Uh, let me see here. It goes on and on. There's over 70 comments here um, to that effect. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, you name it. The Bible is right, man is wrong. That's just it's a statement of truth. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, There's no such thing as Ash Wednesday in the New Testament, is there? And that brought on a whole bunch of stuff, didn't it? Have ourselves close to 200 uh, likes and 147 comments and growing 33 shares because we're currently living throughout the time of season where certain religious individuals who think they are Christians, sincerely so, they believe that, uh, have ash on their head or on their forehead. But it's not a New Testament practice. Uh, it's not a New Testament law. Um, and there is conversation to be had about that, but it is an identifier to which religious body you 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 belong to. And uh, that religious body, of course, does not belong to Jesus Christ. Uh, it just doesn't. So that one caused uh, some great thread there. And again, you have some individuals who understand that, and they're like, yeah, you know, that's right. It's not in there, and it's not something we should practice as Christians because... Jesus never commanded us to do that. Um, there was an interesting comment there in the thread that says, "Well, nor is the internet." And here you are, you know, uh, thinking that was a clever uh, wit uh, comment. There it isn't. It made me chuckle, of course, because I know I know the thought behind the mind that, that that says something like that. But yeah, no, it's not the same thing at all. It's it's you know two different categories of conversation. Uh, we are permitted to be on, on online as Christians. We are permitted to have certain things uh, as Christians. They are called expediencies. And the Bible, and Jesus himself, of course, teaches and, and, and utilizes expediencies, like a microphone. Why are you using a microphone and an amp and a speaker? Well, so that the words being proclaimed and taught can reach further. Why are we online? Well, for the greater good of the kingdom, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. There's quite a difference there in, well, Let's just put some ash on our forehead and the sign of a cross. You know, that's, it's, a, it's, it's an identification that proves, again, that you do not belong to the church Jesus built. Following along, the next one, we don't all follow the same God, do we? Well, there's a pretty good one. You know, how many times have I heard my grandmother, who is a stubborn loyalist to Catholicism and will be till the day she departs, sadly? Uh, how many times? We all follow the same God. But yet, how many times have she called us every name in the book because we chose not to follow her God? <laughs> we all follow the same God. No, we do not. I assure you, we do not. The Islamic Allah is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just isn't. The God that the so-called Uh, that so-called Judaism today claims to follow is not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The gods of the pagans, the gods of the heathens, the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans, the gods of every other ilk and kind is not the God of the Bible. The God of denominationalism is not the God of the Bible. And I know this is very offensive. I know how offensive it is because it's been told to me and it offended me when I heard it, but it is true. If you are a citizen of the Roman Catholic category, if you are a member of the Catholic Church, if you are a Catholic, then the God you follow is the Catholic God, the God created in the image of Catholicism. It's just, it's a a fact, because if you begin to speak to me about your God, the God of Catholicism, and I go to the Bible and I start reading the God of the Bible, there's a difference. There's a contradiction somewhere both of them are not in fellowship, which is again the oxymoron of the world telling us under the umbrella of Christendom that we're all one and united as Christians. No, we aren't. We cannot be united in our division. If you are a Baptist, a member of the Baptist Church, then your God is a, the God of the Baptists, teaching what the Baptists teach. If you are a Methodist, you belong to the Methodist God, Presbyterian God so on and so forth. Now, it may have similarities. You may say, well, my God is eternal, and uh, he, he is loving and merciful, and he is forgiving. Yeah, of course. There are seeds of truth in your God. That's the deception. But your God doesn't save souls. And your God is the God that was created in the image of the congregation you are a member of, which is a denomination which has never been planted by God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible. Remember, my wife is my wife. She is unique to me. But out there is an ocean of women that have legs and eyes and arms and mouth and nose and ears. Are they now all my wife? No. They have similarities. But they are not all my wife. Jesus built a church. He did. He bled for it. He gave his life for it. You must be a member of his church to be a Christian. Why? Because we don't make ourselves Christians. Men don't make Christians. God makes Christians. And when does he make us a Christian? Well, would you know it? Christian is actually a descriptive word of someone who has been born into his family. Are you aware that if you are born in my family, you would be a Maye? That's my family name, Maye. I was born in a Maie household. And children born from my wife and I are my a's. But what is your family name if you are born in the family of God? Well, Christian. And at what very moment does that take place? Well, if you are a repentant believer, confessing Christ as your Lord and Master, you qualify to call on his name. As you are immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged, baptized, clothed with Christ, born again. When you come up out of that water, you are added to his kingdom as a legal citizen. And you now have the name. It was given to you by God. The water didn't wash your sins away. I didn't wash your sins away or anybody helping you go down into the water. They don't, I don't have the power to send you to heaven or hell so it ain't me. I didn't make you a Christian. Who did? God. When you come out of that water, you've been saved by Jesus. But you see, it takes faith to believe that. And not only have you been saved by Jesus, you are now within the spiritual realm of all blessings. And you've been given the descriptive name, Christian. And would you know it, that Christian is actually a name that was prophesied to come in the Old Testament? that a name would be given the people who would follow the Messiah, the King? Christian, born in the family of God. I've had to learn these things, and I assure you, if I can learn them, you can. We don't all follow the same God, do we? No, we do not. The gods of the world and those deceived, there may be some similarities but they are not the God of the Bible, and we can know the God of the Bible, and it will set us free. The Bible speaks of the church Jesus built, and how all of us who are intellectually capable through our independent accountability can be members of that church. And imagine the influence and love we would have in a community if all of us were members of the same church, the church Jesus built. Again, does that withdraw us from the fact that there are decent, kind, morally upright individuals in all these different religious organizations that do not belong to Jesus? Well, of course, we have similarities in in, in fellowship with Christian principles and morality. But that does not save us. We cannot meritoriously earn our salvation based on our good works, if you will. We can't boast of that. Well, I helped an old lady cross the street today, so Jesus, you better let me into heaven because, uh, you know, look at what I did. Now, should you help old ladies cross the street safely? Well, I would hope so. The structure of the scriptures teaches us to have that kind of a behavior and compassion for people. But is that the very source of our salvation? Well, no, it is not. Well, what is? Well, would you know it? The Bible teaches us. What would John 3, 16 say? What about the thief on the cross? What happened to him? Well, he repented, did he not? And he believed in Jesus, did he not? And on that day, Jesus told him, you'll be in paradise with me. So it certainly is a necessity to understand repentance and belief and faith. Hebrews chapter eleven six would tell us that faith, if we don't have it, we ain't pleasing to God and we can't make it to heaven. But at what very moment does Jesus save us from our sin, add us to his church, and give us the name Christian. Well, if you understand the uniqueness of his church, first and foremost, and how his church has nothing to do with all these denominations out there, how his church was established in Jerusalem in the first century, during the reign of the Roman Empire, and it came with great power, the Holy Spirit, poured out upon, upon the twelve chosen vessels, the apostles, who stood up among the people and proclaimed the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Christ, the uniqueness of his kingdom, the church, and all who understood and received and believed, they qualified. And one after the other, they went down into the water to be born again, calling on his name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, John Smith, you are being immersed into his kingdom as a legal citizen for the forgiveness of your sins. The church can't forgive you of your sins. Jesus does. Jesus adds you to his church. Why? Because it's the location of individuals saved by Jesus. Can we know that? Well, of course we can. Friends, we don't all follow the same God, do we? No, we do not. There is a difference in the God of the Bible and the gods that are found out there. The gods that are found out there. So it continues and it moves forward. And what's the next one here? The next post says, Not a single soul walking this earth today can speak in tongues. Do not be misled by eloquent gibberish. Now, many took offense at that, Obviously, because many are drenched in erroneous doctrines out there, misguided by falsehoods. Well, the Bible says we do, and the Bible says we can. No, it does not. You've been meant to think it interpreted by an individual who has not rightly handled it. You can't pluck out verses out of their context and say, See, here, this means I can speak in tongues today. First and foremost, tongues were a true and real language. They weren't gibberish. They were a authentic and real, credited language. That's number one. Number two, those things came to cease. They've ended. They served their purpose in the first century to confirm the word. They have. This is Bible. This is the truth. This is an objective reality of our existence. Not a single soul walking this earth today can speak in tongues. Well, I have a... Why do we not sacrifice the blood of bulls and goats today? I assure you I can plug out a verse that says we should sacrifice animals. Why do we not sacrifice animals anymore? Well, that was the, but because... But... Right. There is a hermeneutic. There is a science of interpretation. It is called upon us in responsibility to rightly handle the text, so as to understand the author's interpretation for our hearts. No, there is no speaking in tongues today. And all who claim to do so, again, they follow a different God than the God of the Bible. They follow the gods men have created in their own image and sadly calling themselves Christians in Christians' churches. Uh, So much more could be said about that, of course. We move forward. Our time's uh, winding down here for the hour. Another one is this. If the Bible isn't the sole source of religious authority for the Christian religion, then what is? Well... We have an answer to that because we have the scientific model revealing it now. We've been able to test it and reproduce it. What is that? Denominationalism? Even denominationalism, who calls itself non-denominationalism? What do you mean? Well, if the Bible is no longer the sole source of information we can all understand and be united in, then man is going to create his own God. That's it. That's how all these churches were, 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 were built throughout the centuries and millennia. I don't want to follow what the Bible says. I don't trust the Bible, so I'm going to create my own belief. That's where a great many things like, well, I love Jesus, I just don't need any church. You can already know that individual is lost, headed towards eternal punishment. Not by my judgment, I can't send anyone to heaven or hell, but by the structure and law of the Scripture. I can be saved by faith alone and Christ alone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Already a contradiction. I already know you do not belong to Christ. Well, you can be a member of any church as long as you've accepted Jesus in your heart with a sinner's prayer. No, I already know your God is not the same one that I read of in the Bible. Because somewhere in your life, you were maybe even born and raised into it like I was. We were told not to trust the Bible. Oh, we were told to, you know, have some kind of respect for it or to have one at least, but we could never understand it fully because it's it's not the end all says all. And uh, it doesn't hold all authority. It's just kind of like a, a book that'll teach us about being nice and stuff. I already know you're lost. If the Bible isn't the sole source of religious authority for Christian, the uh, Christian religion, what is? Well, again, it's the equivalent of saying, if God is not, the authority for our faith, then who is? Well, it's whatever else. Some make it out to be animals, some make it out to be men, tyrants. That's how tyrant, tyranny is made. That's why we have world leaders that are some of the most corrupt dictators and m- murderers on earth. That's why we have individuals or congregations that contaminate themselves in corruption by the same ilk and kind, the Pharisaical kind. The Pharisees were gatekeepers. They would tell the people that they just really can't understand the scriptures very well without them. And therein you can manipulate someone once you have them sneered that way. We've seen it in real time, sadly. So if the Bible is, isn't the sole source of religious authority for the Christian religion, what is? Well, anything and everything else. That is not divine. That is not deity. That is not true and real. And of course, a common thread ensued with, you guessed it, the good the bad and the ugly. And I try to keep on top of that. I will ban and block individuals after a while uh, with certain things. Here's another one. There is no tithing in the New Testament church. There just isn't. We are commanded to give, and a Christian life should be a person who lives a life of servitude and finds the joy and blessing of giving not only in donation to the treasury which belongs to God, but also to one another and those in need. Giving. We are to give as we've prospered, and it must stem from the heart, the right motive of the mind. Again, denominationalism and the gods they have since created in their own image are very greedy, like the Pharisees of the first century. There are megachurches in this community here that take down your banking information so that out of your banking account, you are giving the quote unquote tithes to the church. Well, none of that is New Testament model or law. It's foreign to Christ. Jesus never said such a thing. Why? Well, because we have more maturity in the New Testament covenant. We can give as much as we want. We're not bound by 10%. We can give 20, 30. We can give it all as we prosper. A lot more could be said about that. What about this one? God did his part. Man must respond. Within the ocean, again, of falsehood out there claiming Christianity, uh, you find two branches. You will find the premillennialist branch that is always in fellowship with Calvinism. And within those two deviancies from the New Testament system, uh, births uh, the idea that uh, you and I, we can't do anything whatsoever. We have no free will. We can't do anything. And that is, of course, a uh, devil's deceit. We must do something. We can't earn through meritoriously, uh, uh, how should I say? Well, I mentioned this a, a minute ago. You can't you know, meritoriously earn your salvation or anything like that. But there are things we must do if we love Jesus. He commands us to do. So God did his part. He did it all. He went on the cross. He died there for us. Salvation is available. We just have to get it. We just have to, to to receive it. And it's free on top of that. You don't have to, it don't cost anything. You know, if a um, if a check comes into the mail, it's like, oh, here's a check. Guess what I have to do? I have to go to the bank and cash it. If I leave the check on the counter and say, well, you know, God's done it all. Nothing I can do. That check ain't gonna move. And I ain't gonna buy no groceries. And my kids ain't going to eat this week. We know the practical sense of it all. That's faith. James chapter 2. It must have legs. Faith without works is dead. God did his part. Man must respond. We have something to do. The gospel is free. It saves everyone. Who what? Receives it. How do we receive it? The way the Bible says. Uh, Therein, some information. A bit of a snippet there from one of my reels one is not made a Christian by merely claiming one is. We'll end there because we're about, well, we're 10 minutes over now, but yeah, one is not made a Christian by merely claiming one is. Just like an individual standing up in a garage with a wrench in his hand is not a mechanic or not necessarily a mechanic. Is it true that some individuals who are Christians saying they are Christians are indeed Christians? Well, yeah, but how do you know the difference? You test the spirits. That's nothing sensational or or mythical. It's very practical. Testing the spirits, the spirits are when they are words. What words are coming out of their mouth? When you ask them, when were you saved and how were you saved and what member, what church do you go to? They will verbally speak the spirits, the words to their description. And therein, you can size that up next to the Holy Spirit, the words of the Bible written by the Holy Spirit. And you can be like, oh yeah, dude, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. How dare you? Let's crucify you. Um, One is not made a Christian by merely claiming one is. And we spoke a bit about that earlier on, on how a Christian is made. Not by you and me. It's by God in a very specific location, in a very specific time in your life when you obey the gospel. The Bible teaches us how to be saved by Jesus. It certainly does. And it says, if you understand the uniqueness of the church, because that's what you are being baptized into. Paul would tell the Corinthians, you are being baptized into the body. By one spirit, baptized into one body. That body is the church. The church is the assembly, the congregation. Therein, all the saved are gathered. How are we saved by Jesus Christ? You have to believe in the Jesus of the Bible, first and foremost. You have to understand his church and how unique it is. If you're willing to repent of your sins, confess him as your Lord and Master, you qualify to be baptized. See, that's why the devil hates baptism so much and why all these man-made gods claiming to be Christianity today, they hate baptism. They'll never tell you that that's the moment where Jesus saves you. They'll tell you you're saved before and then you just obey as an outward sign of an inward grace. All these things, those are all lies. They are all lies to which we used to believe. We used to believe those lies. Uh, No, Jesus saves an honest and humble individual who is seeking him, the one that we read of in the Bible, who wants to be a member committed to his congregation, his, his body of believers, his church, his bride. And that is done when you believe and are baptized. Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved whoever does not believe shall be damned. Why? Because an unbeliever is never going to trust that Jesus is going to save him in that water and add him to the church. Um, let me see here if I have a video to show you. Where is it? Where would it go? Why isn't it there? I thought it would be there see if I can put it on the screen here. I don't think I can. It doesn't seem to want to let me. Oh, that's not the right one. Let's go with that. Take this away. Let's see if I can put something on the screen here. Nope. it's not allowing me to. Oh, well. I wanted to show you um, the baptisms we've had here uh, as the East Coast Church of Christ. Over here on the East Coast of Canada. I I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. Why do we call ourselves the East Coast Church of Christ? Well, there's a wonderful article I wrote about that on Substack. Um, uh, it's quite simple. We're on the East Coast of Canada. Everything over here is called East Coast something. East Coast plumbing, East Coast electrical, East Coast this, East Coast that. We're on the East Coast. We just very uh, innocently and sincerely said, well, we're on the East Coast. Let's call it it's, uh, the East Coast. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a geographical location. All right. Um, church body of believers of belonging to Jesus. We're the East Coast church that belongs to Christ. It's a description. It's not a title on a sign somewhere. It's just the description of the body of believers. And we are individuals who are disenfranchised with all these different gods created in the image of man, and we just wanted to follow the Bible. And we've been growing, and we're a healthy, loving group. Is it true that out there you will find churches calling themselves churches of Christ that don't belong to Christ at all? Absolutely. There are cults out there called the Church of Jesus Christ, the uh, Church of Christ, Church of God or see the, the Bible teaches us the autonomy and God was very wise with autonomy in his body of believers. It's important. I wanted to show you guys a video of the baptisms that we've been having because that's where a person is saved. And added to the church Jesus built. Anything and everything else is, is, is a lie. And sadly, there are so many people fully convinced in a lie that they are saved and they believe in Jesus. And I've heard people time and time again, I've sat down, I just know it in my heart. I feel it in my heart, and I know they're being sincere. I don't doubt their sincerity, but they're misguided and they're lost. And on the day of judgment, what a sad day that'll be for individuals who are firmly convinced they're saved. The Pharisees were fully convinced. Diotrephes is fully convinced. He's on the way to heaven, and everyone he's condemned is on the way to hell. But on that day, there will be a great shock. So, yeah, that's about all I have for this time. We got an hour and 15 in. Gone. We, we ran a bit over, but I knew we kind of would because there was so much information to be said and had. Friends, listen, please subscribe, like, share, comment, all that kind of good stuff. If you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to support the work, that's available to you. Reach out to me, at souls at gmail.com is my email address or send me a private message or, or whatever. Uh, any concerns, questions you have, I'd be more than happy to have a video chat with you, have a, a phone call or email exchange, anything like that. Uh, everything's transparent here uh, and uh, upright. And uh, we're doing, it, it, it's been a, a wonderful journey with the East Coast Church of Christ. We were birthed basically on May 8th, 2022. And uh, we began with five and uh, it soon went to seven and soon w- it's, it kept growing. Kept growing because people see the love and the truth therein and seeing that there's it's not corrupt. And it's not governed by prideful brutes or tyrants or falsehoods, but that truly all of us are just trying to help each other make it to heaven. There is order. There is governance in the local assembly. We have elders. We are submissive to one another. There is a structure, uh, and it is upright. We fellowship every week. We are friends with each other. We socialize. We text each other. We visit each other. Uh, It's a growing, strong family, and maybe that is something... That sounds um, sounds well to you to follow and seek. Well, reach out to us. Reach out to us. You can check out our, fa- uh, our Facebook page, East Coast Church Christ. You can check out our uh, website, East Coast Church Christ.com. Friends, Stefan Maya is my name. souls.com is my website. And uh, we love having you. I'll be going now. Got a whole bunch of stuff to do today, but uh, you can find me online everywhere, as you know, my Facebook profile. Um, I would highly encourage you to go to addedsouls.locals.com. That's our freedom platform over there on Locals. It's free to sign up, uh, and you can choose to support their monthly uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's all I got. Stay focused, stay positive. Lord willing, uh, Monday through Friday, through the week. Next week, uh, look at the itinerary. Uh, We go live 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Peace out.